When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. The second pick in the 2021 NFL draft, the New York Jets select. Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to draft season. Our guy, Mike White, you know, it was a tough Thursday, lost the arm. Josh Johnson had to come in and ball out. The Jets kind of got blown out by the Colts, but the offense played well. And, you know, one more pick closer to the draft, and that's really what the Jets are doing. It's really not that much to get excited about with the current teams. we got to talk about the future of this team, which actually does look exciting. And hopefully Zach Wilson will be back and we actually have a quarterback to talk about. But we'll see. But I'm joined, by, as always, by my guys. James, how's it going? It's going well. How are you? Good, good. Joe, how are you? I'm doing good, Meek. So I'm all set to get Mike White Girl Wasted this weekend. And uh, as always, I'm ready to talk some prospects with you guys. Dylan, I'm sorry you had to follow that, but how are you? <laughs> that was a pretty good one, but I'm doing well, Meek. How are you? Good, good. Last week, we talked about the offense and about how we can find some more playmakers for Mike LaFleur, who has gone basically a complete 180 from Jets Twitter as to should have been fired in week four to now might be our best offensive coordinator of like the decade. So it's a nice, nice thing to actually have an offensive coordinator who might be competent and actually might put on an exciting offense, but this defense needs work. And the first four weeks, I think we got a little ahead of ourselves. The bet this back seven is so bad. And this t- this defense needs a lot of talent. And I know people don't like talking about defense and how defense is fickle year to year, but, Robert Salen, Jeff Ulbreich need some talent. And this is what we're going to talk about this week. So we're each going to bring a defensive player to the table and see how they would fit with the Jets, how much, whether we like them in our study. So, uh, Joe, um, you waxed a poetic about Aiden Hutchinson and his pass rusher. There's like another pass rusher at Michigan's rival school, Ohio State. Do you feel the same way about him? You know, I was going to come on here and say that Harrison is overrated. But that's when people were still mocking him in the first round. I think now after a number of games, I see him going in the second round of the many mocks, and I think that's appropriate. It's unfortunate because the scouting community had high hopes for Zach, and I did as well. But he just hasn't reached the potential of what we expect from a five-star recruit coming out of high school. Listen, he was a bit of a tough evaluation for me. And although he's come on a little stronger the last couple of games, similar to how we picked it up at the end of 2020, I still gave him a late second round to early third round grade. Now, I do think he has a chance to be a starter at the next level, but I just don't believe he'll ever be that dominant double digit sack guy based on what I've observed. I think he lacks the flexibility and bend that I look for from an edge. He does display some good explosion off the snap, but for the most part, he fails to maintain his explosion through the rush. 
and has trouble turning the corner, even versus subpar tackles. In fact, if a tackle gets good hands on him, it's pretty much lights out and he's easily pushed up the arc and away from the pocket. Honestly, in those situations, it's almost like he becomes disinterested when his initial move doesn't work. I'm not going to say he lacks effort, but he definitely doesn't have the motor of a Hutchinson, Karloftis, or JJ the King and Igbari, that's for sure. Now, let me get back to the point about subpar tackles because I think it's important. A lot of his success came versus inferior talent, prospects that are either never going to see the field on the next level or backup caliber players. And that's just the truth. Guys like Hutchinson do it week in and week out. I'm not impressed by players who get the best of those two Nebraska tackles he faced last week, who are, no joke, probably the two worst tackles in the NCAA. No kidding. Like, absolutely. Go check it out. Or even after week one against Minnesota, which is probably his best game this season. Some folks were phoning over Harrison, but I wasn't that impressed. His success that day came versus, again, against a caliber of player that he'll never see in the NFL. When he went up against Daniel Fialele that night, a player in my top 32, he was absolutely manhandled. Fialele was almost a literal brick wall between him and the quarterback. He even splashed him to the ground on one play. It was really nice for Fialele, not so much for Harrison. That said... I don't want to completely trash Harrison because he is somewhat of an enigma and he does have some nice pass rush moves, but at this point, he doesn't know how to utilize them with any kind of regularity or with any kind of strategy that has been able to yield consistent success. Still, like I said, I do think he can put it together and be a starter in the NFL, especially if he learns to use his really good length, which I don't think he employs to his advantage nearly enough. But regardless, when it comes to the second round where I foresee him being drafted, there will be multiple players that I'd probably choose over him despite his potential upside. I mean, what do you think, Meeks? Yeah, um, Harrison, the biggest thing for me is he just lacks consistency. Like from a play-to-play basis, depending on which play you see, you'll be like, is is this guy the best edge in the draft? And you'll be like, is this guy the third best edge on his team? Like it's just too much variance for me. And um, like with Harrison, like I was saying this to you before, he's the most explosive, stiff player I've ever seen because – there are some reps where he just wins right away, get dips the shoulder, hits the quarterback. He does do a good job when he gets contact with the quarterback about finding the ball. I do think he's forced a couple fumbles this year, which did impress me. And then there's some plays where if any tackle gets his hands on him and then he's just standing straight up, no flexibility, no movement, like go to yoga like one time, my man, like, please, I'm dying. Because he's got a really intriguing skill set. And I think that's why he's worth the day two pick, because if you get the right D-line coach to refine those skills, I think you can get an impact player, a good situational rusher who can be like a solid player, but I'd never see him being a high-end, a high-end edge two or an edge one on a team. And I was frankly just a little disappointed in him because I thought he was a player who was really going to ascend this year. We've seen a lot of D-line talent at Ohio State and really take big steps their junior year. And Harrison, I just really haven't seen it. James, I'll go to you. What are your thoughts on Harrison? Yeah, so I think I agree with you guys. Harrison is a very toolsy prospect. Uh, he's 6'6", nearly 270 pounds. And so what you have in terms of athleticism and size is really intriguing. And he actually reminds me of a prospect from this past year's draft who was similarly toolsy. And this is going to be a little bit of a deep cut. We may have mentioned him once last year. And the guy I'm talking about is Dio Odiyingbo from Vanderbilt, who also was a kind of versatile edge rusher who was extremely big, could play in a 3-4, could also play in a 4-3, drafted by the Colts in the second round of this past draft. In terms of Zach Harrison, the biggest thing for me is he has all of this talent on paper, but you don't really see it translate to the field that much. 
In fact, I think you could argue that he might be at a lot of points, like the third best edge rusher on that team. And kind of the screwy thing is that you'll be watching Ohio State and he's number nine. One of the other edge rushers is number eight. And you'll see some guy who has like a circle on the top half of his jersey have a sack. And you're like, oh, damn, Zach Harrison, nice moves. And then you see it's number eight and you look up. I don't even know who number eight is. And it's some guy named Javante Jean-Baptiste. So uh, it's a tough evaluation. I will say one really redeeming quality is that Zach is the only non-senior captain on Ohio State's football team. And that definitely is something that sets him apart from other prospects. But apart from that, I do think he takes a lot of development. I think the developmental curve is going to be steep in the NFL for him. Yeah, he's definitely – he screams redshirt year in the NFL the first year, not a guy who guys really going to take the grow the, his game. And with the Jets, I just – for a defensive line that has a lot of talent, it's going to have a lot of competition, I really don't see them using a top 50 pick on a guy who isn't going to be able to contribute in some way right away. Dylan, I'll go to you. Do you stray from the pack with Zach Harrison? Do you want to get on your soapbox for Zach Harrison? No, um, I'll definitely join the crew this week and start off with a more agreeable approach. I kind of wrote, he is the tortoise and the hare. He can be so slow, so stiff sometimes, and then he can explode through and be the hare at times and be very athletic, very explosive. Um, There's certain parts of his game, like you guys noted, that are good. He can be a rotational pass rusher, I would say. And I, but I think with the Jets, my biggest problem, and I'll mention another problem with another guy I like though later. Um, is that there's just so much competition on this defensive line and that to throw him in, I can't see where he breaks away from anybody else, where he is better than anybody else that's already on the defensive line. He's very raw. And I think the lack of the motor and inconsistency were my two biggest flaws with him. So I think, although there is room for him to grow, especially like, as you said, Meigs, if he has that red shirt year, maybe then yeah, over time he could improve more, but I can't see him being anything more than a rotational rusher in the system right away. Yeah, no, Dylan, you basically summed it up. Perfectly. Joe, do you have any final thoughts based on what the uh, roundtable said? I think you guys nailed it. I mean, I'm in full agreement with all of you. It's nice that we are starting it off very pleasant, this particular podcast. I think we got a little feisty last one. So it's cool to see us all on the same page. Yeah. So, James, I'll go to you with um, a prospect that I've had some issues with um, every time I see him mock to the Jets in the top five. Anyone I see who wrote the mock draft, I just mute on Twitter because I just need that for my sanity. Uh, it's He plays safety for Notre Dame. Uh, his name's Kyle Hamilton. Uh, James, tell us about Kyle Hamilton. For sure. So Kyle Hamilton plays safety for Notre Dame. He's six foot four, 220 pounds. And they use him in a lot of different ways. They use him as a cover one free safety. They use him as a safety in too high. They also use him as like an overhang as well. So he is deployed in a lot of ways. The biggest thing that stands out when you first watch him is he really is a unicorn athlete for his size. He's fast, but he's also quick and agile, which is rare for somebody who's six foot four and plays safety. A lot of tall guys have very linear athleticism, but he actually is really, really fluid. And that's a big plus for him. It also means that in games, he has really impressive range uh, to cover a lot of ground in a really short period of time. And in fact, against FSU, the first game of this past season, he had two picks himself, one of which he went from playing safety on one side of the field to intercepting the ball on the opposite sideline. Now, granted, he was going from the near hash to the sideline by the time the ball was thrown, but it does speak to his impressive range. 
I do think in the NFL, his ideal deployment is that is as a two high safety. I don't think you maximize him that much as just the center fielder because I think you want him closer to the action on the majority of plays so he can use his lane to disrupt throwing windows. And I think for as a stylistic comparison, a lot of people are going to say Isaiah Simmons because he's a really recent athlete who has similar size and similar athletic ability. But I think with Simmons, you have true versatility to play at linebacker and at safety. Whereas with Hamilton, I really think the only logical option is to play him at safety. Now, I did a little bit of research on him personally. People talk about how he's a film junkie and he's always watching film. You know, he's in the Mendoza School of Business at Notre Dame. In terms of injuries, he has a somewhat concerning injury history. In ninth grade, he had a broken wrist. Tenth grade, blew out his IT band. Currently dealing with a knee injury that he got in the USC game, and his status to return is uncertain. Now, with respect to the Jets, Kyle Hamilton is a great player, but number one, the injuries concern me. Number two, we have bigger needs than safety. And three, you can find a lot of serviceable safeties later in the draft, and there's absolutely no need to spend a top five pick or top 10 pick on the safety. So that's kind of where I stand with Kyle. Yeah, I'll end on Kyle Hamilton because I feel like I got some stuff to say. So Dylan, what do you think about him? So I'm going to start with my biggest flaw with him, which is I agree with you, James, his health. I think you look through a lot of what he's done and there's not a lot of massive holes in his game that I really pinpointed where I was like, oh, I don't really love that. I don't really love this. But I think his health is going to be the biggest issue because why take a risk and already go that high with a safety, which we did once with Jamal Adams. And ultimately, he really only added value as a pass rusher because he's awful in coverage. So if you're going to take that risk and go with a safety that high and kind Kind of neglect away from the traditional positional value ideals to take it on a guy who's not going to potentially be on the field every single game is a little bit of a risk with that said i want to go into him i love him as a player I really do. I think he's, I wrote the energizer bunny was one of the first things for him and another guy actually in this group. Um, And he's high IQ. He's a leader. And I think like, as you said, James, his range is incredible. He's very good actually in coverage. I like him all around. And I think he, he does have the versatility to do a little bit of everything, but I think like you said, he'd probably be better as uh, too high safety. And I think it'd be kind of a decent fit with the jets especially if you want to roll forward with ashton davis as your center fielder type because then you can kind of run hamilton around a little more and utilize him in different ways and actually utilize him a little bit more of the way he's been used at notre dame rather than kind of pigeon him hold him in just that too high role so i like his versatility like his athleticism like his iq all around i do like him as a prospect but health has me weary and kind of agreeing with you here as well james his positional value based on the holes we have as well i think going safety as high as he's going to get drafted just doesn't necessarily sit right with me based on all the other holes on the roster but i can get behind him because of his iq and his athleticism but i just don't love it joe what do you think I pretty much agree with both Dylan and James. I I love him as a player and the Jets can certainly use him with the uncertainty at safety. And this team is in desperate need of finding a safety who can cover that deep middle third of the field. And I think, I guess, a little different between James and Dylan is I believe he can satisfy that role. And he brings a lot more to the table than just that. He is, like James said, kind of a unicorn when it comes to the safety position. His range is ridiculous. And, I mean, Salah could create a lot of confusion for quarterbacks with his ability to play multiple positions, whether it's at free safety, strong safety, in the slot, or even at weak side linebacker. I think he has that versatility. Still, I just can't come to terms with taking a safety this high 
as versatile as Hamilton is with all the other needs at more premium positions. And I think James nailed it, you know, for the most part with this analysis of the player and the situation as it pertains to the Jets. I just, ah, he's not somebody I'm targeting in the top 10 of the draft. That's for sure. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Yeah, um, the Jets need safeties. Honestly, if they drafted two of them, I wouldn't be against it. There are very few things in this draft that I'm least as, inter- as interested in and not taking is Kyle, taking Kyle Hamilton. I don't want him. I think he's a good player. I think this whole he's a unicorn and he can play multiple positions is that is he good enough to play multiple positions in the NFL? And is he good enough to play multiple positions in the NFL right away? Because the guy everyone's going to compare him to is Isaiah Simmons. And I think Isaiah Simmons is a better athlete than Kyle Hamilton. Isaiah Simmons ran a 4 3 9 at the combine. I don't think Kyle Hamilton's quite that fast. Isaiah Simmons is 20 pounds heavier than Kyle Hamilton, and they're about the same size. And I just think he's a luxury pick for whoever takes him. And that's why I have zero interest in adding him to the Jets. I think he'll be a very good NFL player if he goes to the right system. But Isaiah Simmons went to Vance Joseph, who is showing he's a very good defensive coordinator. And it took him nine weeks to play more than 10 snaps a game. So with that, Kyle Hamilton, if he gets to the right situation, he gets the right coach, I think he's going to be a good player. But I don't think, like, for a young Jets secondary, if you're going to take him top five, expect him to carry the unit and be a Swiss Army Knife day one, I don't think you're going to like the returns of that. James, I'll uh, end with you and see how, if we changed your mind or actually strengthen your belief in Kyle Hamilton. No, no, I mean, I think I, I'm kind of in the same place that I was. I just want to say one thing about your point about positional versatility. Well, I don't think I agree with you. He doesn't have the same versatility as Isaiah Simmons positionally, but I think in terms of skill set, I feel a lot more comfortable with Kyle Hamilton, you know, in man coverage on the receiver than I do with Isaiah Simmons on the receiver. And so while there may not be that positional versatility, I do think in terms of skill set, um, he does bring both traditional safety deployment and then also the ability to cover in man coverage versus receivers, which is pretty important in my opinion. 
Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely see your point. I definitely think if you look at uh, just more of a guy who who can guard space, I think you want Isaiah Sims. You want a guy who can guard the man. People would probably lean Kyle Hamilton. I don't think that's crazy at all. But uh, yeah, Kyle Hamilton is really just not my cup of tea for the Jets. And I just want, I think the safety position is so bad right now. Honestly, like I thought like the Jets corners, everyone had so many questions about, and they've been fine. Their safeties are terrible and they got invested in that position. You just don't have to invest the top five pick in one. All right. Now I'm going to talk about a guy who I love and his name is Trent McDuffie, Washington corner. He's a little smaller. He's about 5'11", 190. And nothing's gone right for Washington this year. Uh, their coach just got suspended for, I think, arguing with a fan after a game. So it's really rough out here for the Huskies. But uh, Trent McDuffie is just just an all-around solid, solid, solid football player. Great in coverage. He's only allowed 10 catches this year, none for over 20 yards, none for touchdowns. He hasn't really gotten targeted that much. So he's like the ball production. He hasn't had, I think he only has three PBUs, no picks yet this year. But if you look at his earlier tape from freshman and sophomore year, he's gotten picks, multiple pass breakups. He's just a really good corner. He's the guy I think can play in a bunch of different schemes because even for a smaller corner, he's really good man. He's really good in zone and he's really good at tackling, which I think is a really, really important thing, especially for this scheme. And something that I got lost in with the Jets last year was how much they like long corners. Cause like we look at the 2020 draft and like the 2020 free agency, Pierre Desir had really long arms. Bryce Hall is a long corner. Bless Austin was a long corner. And then you look at Joe Douglas's draft this year with Robert Sala and Jeff Albrecht's defense. Brandon Eccles is a smaller corner. Michael Carter is a smaller corner. And I think Trent McDuffie would be perfect in this system with the amount of zone they play opposite Bryce Hall, have him jump in, in and out with the slot with Gidry, put me in that star role. I think he would be perfect for this defense, and I would take him in the first round. No questions asked. Joe, I know you love McDuffie. I love when we agree on prospects. It warms my heart, so let me hear it. Meigs, um, I'm buying him as a prospect, but sort of selling him for the Jets while I think he can survive in this defense. You know what? Scratch that. I think he can actually thrive in this defense. I just think he's a better fit in a different scheme. I like him more for a team where he can be deployed outside in shorter zones, like in cover two or in two high shells in general. So a team like the Colts, Eagles, and Vikings would be a great place for him to land. In fact, he seems like the perfect Matt Eberflus corner. You know, guys that are feisty and love to tackle, and McDuffie is definitely that. And considering Rhodes is old and Rockison has never really panned out, I expect Duffy is going to be pretty high on their radar. Now, his press bail technique is really sound, and I know that's something Salah will appreciate when watching him. It's pretty much the reason why they like Jason Pinnock so much. And I think he can handle covering those vertical zones and protecting a quarter or a third of the field like he would do so more often with the Jets. But like I said, he's more of a good fit for the Jets as opposed to being a perfect fit for the other teams I mentioned. Listen, it's, it's a shame because it's really just his height that's giving me reservations. The talent is certainly there. But I do wonder how he'd handle some of the taller receivers in the league when tasked with covering them down the field on a consistent basis. I mean, I know you kind of address that, but you don't have those concerns at all with him, Meeks? I mean, I mean, Joe, I mean, it really just sounds like if Trent McDuffie was six feet and a half, not 5'11 and a quarter, you'd be like, yo, this is the guy. But um, I do. I think those concerns are there. But I just think when you're looking at like Brandon Eccles looks passable in this defense and he does and Trent McDuffie basically does everything better than Brandon Eccles does. And he's maybe what an inch taller. 
I just think when you have Bryce Hall, you can have a big, long corner that you can get away with having a shorter corner who's good in short areas, who's good in zone and does everything really well and can tackle. I think that tandem could be a little yin and yang and really work. My question is when they revert back to a single high and they have these both of these guys isolated on the outside, I do wonder how he'd handle some of those 50-50 balls. Yeah. And I know I think he, he just needs to be an inch taller, but I think it's a little bit more than that. So I, I do, I do want to see how long his arms are. He, he's got the knees not, and I love him. But yeah. at the same time, like the height is an issue, my man. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I, that, that's going to be everyone's issue with him. That's going to be like, that's like the same. Like, it's not the same. That was the biggest issue with him last year. I think he's bigger than him. And I just, I, like I said, that's always going to be an issue. Like people are, that's why people are going to look at Kyrie Elam who looks perfect for the scheme. Cause he's big, he's long. He's like him and Bryce Hall next to each other. You can see him and they like, he looks like a Seattle corner, which is where Robert Sala obviously comes from. But I do think, I don't think obviously the NFL is always changing and we're in the cover two, cover four world now. And then they'll go back to the cover three world. Cause everything history was always going to repeat itself. Those numbers, there's only so many of them. But uh, I really do like Trent McDuffie. I do really think he could be really good in this scheme. And I'm not letting an inch and a half of height perturb me too much. But obviously, it's, of, course, it's, of course, it's a concern. But I just think what he does can outweigh it. Yeah, I, I like your Eccles point. So, listen, if the Jets draft him, I'd be ecstatic. I think he's a great player. So I'm not going to, you know, play semantics here. I think your analysis was pretty spot on. But like I said, you know, some mix, misgivings there. But I think McDuffie's a stud. Yeah. Uh, Dylan, uh, you and you and James have been really high on a couple other corners. So what were your initial uh, thoughts when viewing McDuffie? So for me, I was banging the drum a lot for Stingley and I did Dylan's dimes on Elam and kind of split, but definitely like him. And then Booth, we talked a lot about him and James, your guy liked him a lot too. And the biggest thing I, I hate to kind of revert back to it and what Joe said, but I mean, it does kind of scare me with how high he would be drafted and it is his size and going up against the other matchups that he would face because there is going to happen where he is going to have to face those isolated man on man situations with guys who are bigger than him. And especially some of the guys that you look around the rest of the AFC and even just the rest of the NFL, the receivers are going to take advantage of that size, but he is going to be hang, able to hang with him. He's fast. He's quick. He's fluid. And I do like him as a prospect. I agree with you both. I just think I lean more towards what you said, Joe, where you kind of said the Eberflus thing. And after doing so much work on him last year during the coaching search, that kind of like boom, boom, boom. I think he'd be a very good fit with the Indianapolis Colts. And I do agree. I think that's probably the better scheme fit for him, but his athleticism is there. And I kind of have to reiterate what you said. I mean, if we do end up getting him or really a bulk of these top corners, which I think you'll kind of hear me talk about more throughout the rest of draft season is that I do believe corners are a situation we should address based on the depth of this class. I will be happy with him if we pick him, but I just think that of the guys because of his size, I think that's going to not only just be a deterrent for the jets. I think that's going to end up being his deterrent for a lot of different schemes that aren't necessarily going to fit him as well as like e refluses and the cover two schemes. Yeah. James, he's not Andrew Booth, which obviously is a knock on every other corner in this class. So what are your thoughts on McDuffie? Yeah, well, I think you guys have done a great job kind of bringing out a lot of his qualities, but I guess I was just wondering, Meigs, in comparison to last year's class where you had these top four corners, you know, Horn, Sertain, Newsom, and then your guy. Yeah, my guy. Yeah, I mean, so like, would you put McDuffie in that category or do you think McDuffie is more similar to – the other corners who went after them, you know, Asante Samuel Jr., Eric Stokes. How would you kind of classify him? He would have been CB 
three-ish. Uh, him and Newsom are pretty close for me. I like him more than I like J.C. Horn. I had zero issues drafting Trent McDuffie in, in the first round. I would not have taken J.C. Horn in the first round. Zero issues with that. And I just want to – I'm going to end on this note. Uh, there's a certain corner who's 5'10 and two quarters, or so 5'10 and a half actually. Uh, he plays for the Green Bay Packers. His name's Jair Alexander. He's doing pretty well. So height isn't – he got the skills. Height, and also, wide receivers keep getting smaller. Jalen Waddle's about 5'10". He went pick six. Jamar Chase is barely six feet tall. These like The days of the 6'5 wide receiver – I think aren't really – that's not the flavor in the NFL. They want those agile guys. They want those guys who can break in and out of routes. And I think you got to get as athletic as you can at corner because I think size is becoming secondary and athleticism is becoming first. So that's why I'm going to keep banging the table for uh, Trent McDuffie. All right, so but now, the big question is how is he going to handle Drake London on the outside? <laughs> just in the same way you can handle Devontae Adams, Joe, you know? All righty. Dylan. Let's talk about uh, one of the biggest, maybe the most interesting defensive player this college football season. Uh, plays for the best defense in the country. Let me hear it. The most interesting man in college football. I think that's a pretty good way to put it, Meeks. He really is such an anomaly all across the board. He's six foot six, 330 pounds, an absolute beast. He is, I would say, the Hulk of defensive tackles. He is hard to move. Uh, that was the biggest thing I think you immediately look at him. He's an anchor. He opens things up for everybody else. And I honestly think that is going to be the biggest thing I will hammer home here is he opens things up for everybody else. He is not going to be your guy who is going to be this explosive pass rusher, break in the backfield and bull rush everybody in his way. And he's also not going to be this guy that makes these big explosive plays. You look at the SEC championship game and you look at the game against Cincinnati. Those were his two best games, I would say, where he showed up in big situations and put on very strong performances and made those explosive plays that caught a lot of attention. But you look at more of the regular plays, he just kind of does the things that fly under the radar. He's an incredible run stuffer. He's going to be able to swallow up a lot of the, what goes right up the middle. And I think he's going to add a ton of value to a defensive line. He's very, very smart. He's a religion major. He's very high IQ. And then he's also a very good leader all over that defensive line. He's time and time again, um, proven at every level that as he's gotten more comfortable in programs, he's taken on bigger roles. His high school coach said that when he first saw Jordan Davis, he was shy. He was relatively quiet, didn't take a big role in the locker room. And then by the, his senior year, he was the loudest guy and constantly grabbing the attention, but he was humble. He wasn't the kind of guy that was going to kind of direct the attention his way, but he was going to calm everybody down, make him laugh, make him focus on the game, ease up. And he's done just that at Georgia for all of his time there. He's been a leader. He's been a true anchor for that defense. And I think it's really shown up this year especially because of how well that defense has played and the last thing I'm kind of going to end on here with kind of selling Jordan Davis uh, as a prospect before I get into a little bit of his scheme fit is he didn't start playing football until he was a sophomore in high school so he hasn't been a lifer like a lot of these other guys, which I do feel like this year we're seeing a lot more raw prospects like Karlaftis and some of these guys who started playing football relatively late. But he's a guy that still can develop and still work on different things. And I think especially at the next level, he could show development as a pass rusher. But I think that's where I'm going to kind of hammer home as maybe his bigger flaw in fitting with the New York Jets is that. You look at a guy like Quinnen Williams, you look at a guy like Sheldon Rankins, you look at a guy like JFM. These are guys that can break through and bull rush when need be. And I think with Jordan Davis, you just don't see that pass rush that I would like. And I think he it is going to hurt his value a little bit heading to the next level. But I like him. He's a freak of nature. 
I just don't know if I like him for the New York Jets. So I'm kind of going to let you guys sound off more here on how you guys feel about him. Yeah, Jordan Davis is so much fun to watch, honestly, in a league that is always talking about stealing gaps in the run game and trying to defend the run with light boxes. With Jordan Davis, you don't have to steal a gap. He just takes up two of them. He's literally one of the biggest college football players I've seen. And he's, he's I call him Galactus because all he does is eat offensive linemen. He's so hard to play against. He's so good at stopping the run. He's basically like just like when you watch Vita Vea in the NFL, that's Jordan Davis in college football. And Vita Vea at Washington didn't really show a lot of pass rush ability and now actually is a really impactful pass rusher. Like Todd Bowles, when he's feeling frisky, puts him at wide nine. So I want Jordan Davis to go to some mad three, four scientists and like just play around with him. So I don't really love his fifth of the Jets and he's going to go in the first round. And I just think you can find a guy who's, Jets fans know fully Fadakasi in the later rounds when you can find that run stuffing nose tackle that you can just have on your defensive line and rotate through. I just don't think he's to spend a premium pick on him. But Jordan Davis is really fun. And if he found his way to the Jets, um, you can easily talk yourself into it because he's going to be a very good NFL player. I don't see a lot of ways where Jordan Davis isn't impactful on Sundays. Joe, I'll go to you. What do you think about Jordan Davis? I pretty much agree with both of you guys. But listen, Jordan Godzilla Davis, as I've heard him called, he's a beast, man. His get-off at the snap is absolutely absurd for someone 340-plus pounds. He kind of reminds me a lot of former Jet Chris Jenkins. I'm curious what you guys think about that comp. And I do love Davis, but I agree with both you and Dylan. Meeg's great prospect, just not for this team. If Rex Ryan was still here with that 3-4, I'd give him a long, hard look. But in this defense, he wouldn't be anything more than a two-down player. If there was one position that could grow on trees, it would be a run-stuffing interior defensive lineman. And as I said, I don't think he'd be much more than that on this team. Although I I do think he's an underrated pass rusher. Still, he's not someone I'm considering in round one where I believe he'll be drafted, despite how much I like him. Even though this run defense is horrible right now and they could definitely use him, but I think his services will be better utilized elsewhere. James, I'm assuming you're going to agree with basically everything said because this seems taking a run-stuffing nose tackle in the first round goes against every fiber of your being. It does, but Jordan Davis is a hell of a player. I do think the ceiling is Vita Vea, kind of like you identified. Um, but I do, like, I do have a hard time seeing him get there, to be honest, because he doesn't give as much as a pass rusher as like a lot of defensive tackle prospects that come through, which is a little bit alarming because you think given how athletic he is, how powerful he is, he could get a little bit more out of his pass rushes. The one thing I will say is like for the Jets, the type of defensive tackles we need weigh like 290 pounds, 295 pounds. They can play three tech. They can pass rush. We don't need somebody who's 6'6", 340 pounds, who's best fit as a nose tackle. And so, you know, I'm perfectly happy drafting a nose tackle in the seventh round if Ulbrich wants one or just developing Jonathan Marshall. Um, Look, Jordan Davis is a great player, but he's not for us. So, Yeah, no, I think that basically sums it up. And Jordan Davis is going to be fun to watch. He's just not going to be fun to watch on the Jets because I just don't see a scenario where it really happens. But uh, this defense needs a lot of work. And for something I think we've taken for granted is stopping the run because the Jets were so good at it for so many years. And now they're god-awful at it. It's so, so bad. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is still running through an open hole as we speak. But, uh, boys, another week in the books. And uh, Mike White against the Bills. We'll see. 
maybe we'll have our guy or maybe we'll realize that uh, they took Zach Wilson two overall and he's got a nice stretch of games to bounce back and we maybe have some things to cheer for at the end of the season. Guys, make sure everyone you're subscribing to the pod and then turn on the Jets feed while Parkinson's doing a fantastic job. Gets guests on every week that are really, really entertaining. Will cares so much about a team that's two and six, so you got to give that man his credit and check out the pod. Also, you better be following Just Bellick on Twitter.com. He's giving out two free tickets for the Jets game. Again, Joe, let me hear it. To what, me? Because I'm giving away two free tickets? Yeah. I w- let me give, yeah. drop the Twitter handle, drop the mention. Like, last time you dropped them, they won. Well, I guess so. Courtesy of draft season, we're giving away two free tickets to every remaining home game. So you could follow me at JoeJet underscore five and maybe be lucky enough to win. Last time Joe gave uh, free tickets away, Mike White threw 400 yards. So coincidence? I think not. All righty. See you guys next week.